the space and between your thoughts. And um, I think music does that for me. It's an escape where I kind of lose my concept of what room I'm in or what day of the week it is or all the kind of subtle things that keep you in reality and let some of my other senses start to take over. That's Matt, also known as Berman Swale. Landscape designer, synthesizer fanatic, and creator of many a transcendent meal. This week, he stepped out of the kitchen and joined us to chat about his architectural appetites, sobriety, and his personal antidote to creative stagnation. I'm Amber, and here's Angelica with our weekly chat. Hi, Matt. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Chatty Crafties and um, letting me convince you to do this podcast. Yeah. Thanks for letting me come out of the house. <laughs> While our kids run amok inside. Y- yes. Um, and thank you also for making all of the music. Yeah. For the intro and the outro. I'm glad somebody likes it. <laughs> I'm your biggest fan. Yeah, that is true. Um so for our listeners, yes, I am interviewing my husband. Um, we've been married since 2005, but we met in either late 2000, early 2001 through your roommate, Basil. Um, and while I don't remember the exact day, I remember the moment. So I walked into the apartment and I saw you sitting against the counter in the dining room and you were playing a synthesizer. And you're wearing like an old man cardigan, I want to say aviator glasses, um, big floppy curly hair, and a huge beard. And And I thought that look was ahead of its time, but I'm still waiting for that time to come, apparently. (laughs) It was a good look. Yeah. Um, And you were playing a synthesizer and you didn't stop when we came in. You just kind of said hi and kept bopping your head. Yeah. It's borderline rude. It was. I guess you liked it, something about it. Yeah, it was the it was the floppy hair. Okay. Um, and I asked Basil, like, why do you have a 30-year-old roommate when we're just 20? And, and Basil looked about 13 as well, so. <laughs> With his little fro, yeah. sweet little Baz. Um, so, synthesizer for one. Um, I was writing poetry at the time. Um, we, I invited you and Baz over for a singles Valentine's Day art party, which I drove y'all to. Um, yes, because I didn't have a car <laughs> or a cell phone. Yes, that is true. Or a bank, well, I mean, bank account, really, <laughs> or any money. Well, this was 2001, so a lot of, and we were 20, so yeah. there were, you know, excuses for some of this. Sure. Like a small amount of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I uh, invited y'all to an art party. Mm-hmm. Then I asked you on a second date to see Sub Oslo, which, which is a dub band. Yeah. And then shortly thereafter, you applied to the College of Architecture. So mm-hmm. music, architecture, writing, all of these things are a part of our history. Yeah. And I'm just wondering when this kind of first came out in you um because the stories that I remember from you and your mother telling me was um building things with 
Legos. Yeah, which... You're very particular about the colors. Sure. And a co-worker recently let me know that I think every college application architecture has the Lego story, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah, that, um, you know, you found your love of architecture with Legos. Legos. So I thought yeah. it was like a very... Um, it was ahead of your time. Particular experience to me, but apparently uh, it's rather common. common for the field. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then once I found out I could get a college degree and basically dreaming up stuff was my mindset at the time. Uh, I was like, wow, this is sounds way cooler than the other classes I'm taking. <laughs> and you were undeclared for a good number of <laughs> I was, <laughs> yes. I wasn't, uh, I think undeclared was my major at the time. Until I reminded you and Baz that... Maybe declaring would be a good idea. Yeah. You uh, gently nudged us towards becoming adults, which I appreciate. (laughs) Yes. It was called encouraging. Yeah. Um, So do your parents, had they always appreciated architecture? Hmm. Where did that come from? You know, my mom, I think her creative streak is really in uh, cooking mainly. And that was her way to express herself and, you know, get lost in, you know, committing to something and coming up with something outside the box. Uh, My dad was always a very hands-on person and was my whole childhood constructing things. Yeah, making stuff. Yeah, or mowing the lawn. He loved to mow the lawn. He really does. That's like his his zen space. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they lived in a couple of cool houses, though. Did, they did. Did they, that affect you? They always had, uh, looking back, I guess, a pretty deep appreciation for architecture. Yeah. And, um, Modern houses, especially. I think so. And, you know, I, we were lucky enough to grow up in a, an interesting house. And I think it's funny, a lot of my reoccurring design themes, sometimes I'm like, is that just my house mm-hmm. that I grew up in? And I think uh, a lot of that stuff in your childhood is more formative than you realize as you get older. Yeah. Um, are there? Is there anybody that inspired you creatively? You had a teacher in high school you told me about. I want to say his name was McNally. Yeah. That um, was that was writing creatively though. Yeah, which um, you know I. I guess I was decent at when I was forced to do it, but it wasn't something that I was just craving to do on my own. But you Um, did do, you played music. I did. And you know what's funny is I was actually pretty much a jock. uh, Yes, you played football. Like from the very beginning. And I think when that was starting to wind down in high school... I was listening to a lot of music and was like, man, I'd be kind of cool to like try to make music. And I think it was as simple as that. Hmm. Uh, Just a decision. Yeah, like, you know, I have no responsibilities and plenty of free time. Why don't I try to try something out? And you hung out with really musical people, too. I did. I think, uh, you know... I think mainly what we all had in common was we were trying to make each other laugh, and I think that's a creative craft in itself. Oh, sure. Um, 
you know, I think it's spontaneous and you really can feed off of each other when you're trying to make each other laugh. And I think a branch of that group of people did move in to starting to make music. And I mean, we were like, I think I have some tapes still. And it was, at the time I thought very abstract, but I'm starting to realize it was just structureless <laughs> chaos. Wandering. Yeah. Um, what do you think about when you play music? Do you hear the notes mm. in your head? Are you listening to see what sounds good? Like what, what happens in your brain? So I would hesitate to say I'm thinking of anything mm -hmm. and that is why I like music. Um, uh, my eyes turn off and my ears turn on and I think in a way it's like kind of comparable to meditation where some portion of your brain kicks in that is not your default uh like the the way you move through life your default way of thinking mm -hmm. it kicks on something else and i have found mm -hmm. the more time i spend in that space just kind of the better i feel yeah how has your music evolved um Besides from chaos to more sense? Well, I think now most of my music is really interested in process. And so it'll take me an incredibly long time to finish something. And I think it's because I get excited about, uh, some people call it sound design, but it's basically the creation of sounds and textures. And, um, you know, so... I'll, Oftentimes, I'll spend weeks and weeks and end up with just one note that I like, but it's like enough of a note that nothing else really has to be played. Uh, and it can have all sorts of fluctuating textures and sounds yeah. in it. And You're a big fan of textures. Well, for me, it conjures memories and place, and um, I, I often get taken back to childhood memories and trips and... And all sorts of, I think, uh, it, it's almost like comparable, you know, as you know, I like to cook. And, I do know. Um, it's comparable to smells. They say smells can bring back memories or are very closely associated to memory. And I think there are moments with sounds where I, something about them on a level that I couldn't explain with words uh, gives me a feeling and I recognize that feeling from somewhere in my past and it's familiar. Yeah. And I think I hope it's familiar to someone else in the same way, but I'm not quite sure. Do you put away songs when you hit a dead end or, or do you feel like they're finished? Lately I have been just plugging away until it's done just one thing for months and months and it goes in a million different directions and at some point it's usually a subtractive process and it ends up um, with some sort of clarity that feels about about done <laughs> that's your feeling when it's done that's how you know uh, yeah it tells you i think um you know honestly it's when i doesn't sound boring to me hmm. 
Uh, and I think you have little portions that are boring and you know they need work or variation and, and you keep kind of whittling away at certain areas. What are you afraid of trying? Like what frustrates you that you can't dive in and Oof. figure out? Uh, pretty much, um, man, my rhythm has some sort of weird uh, <laughs> thing going on with it where... Uh, I, I don't know if we're allowed to reference other podcast interviewees, but you did interview someone named Cole. You are allowed to. Who makes uh, some music that I think I would love to make. Yeah. And Like the beat tape. And it's just not style. what I hear in my head. And it's not what my mind kind of compiles or takes me towards mm-hmm. and, but I'm such an admirer of that kind of music and um, I, I was thinking about that for myself I think we all have the artists we imagine ourselves at mm-hmm. and, and and for me I imagine myself as this like someday gonna create that like beat album you know instrumental hip-hop album that I've always dreamt of doing uh, but I think the reality is I'll probably keep making songs that sound like uh soundtracks or yeah music to meditate to <laughs> i think they that that's a good description of it. it there's something familiar and nostalgic about them that like you said being on a trip it reminds me of some trip i've never been on with yeah. like grandparents or something like when you were a kid just like tapping into some distorted memory of it um so. I think my concern is that I'm in my mid-30s and I'm just producing like Kenny G type music <laughs> and I just can't see it. I would tell you, I promise. Well, you're in your 30s too, so we might just be jamming <laughs> Kenny G together. No. I don't. Do we have to buy the rights to say Kenny G's name? I, I think we just can't play it. Okay. All right. <laughs> so there'll be no sampling of Kenny G. Okay. Um, I'm sure he's a great guy though. Yeah, he must be nice. Um, how do you feel when you perform? Oh, awful. Just the, <laughs> the most uh, nerve-wracking, frustrating experience. How do you feel after you perform? Uh, geez. Like, uh, remember when I had my wisdom teeth pulled recently? Yeah. That's probably about how it feels. When you did that live set for your Facebook group? Yeah, you know, um, I'm just out of practice with creating things on the fly but you used to perform i did and uh it was always quite chaotic and Mm -hmm. overly complicated but we had that one show i'll tell you that's (laughs) what you know i think i always have this memory of the one show that went right in san antonio um i i can't even oh who knows where it was yeah okay i remember packing up lots and lots of gear that's true. And you hauling did, it um, around. You carried your weight. I sure did. I'm forever in debt to you. <laughs> Remember that. I will. <laughs> I will. Um, I let's see. So you're nervous. Yeah. You know, um, also, I think so much about my music is about process that if you really wanted to watch me do what I think 
I have been practicing to get better at. It would be watching you listen to the same sound over and over and over again. Yes, and it would it it would be like me recording and then like recording that into a tape mm-hmm. player and then recording that back into something else. <laughs> and I think people would just be like, boring. Yeah, but there'd be that one dude like tripping out into mm-hmm. it, um, as it seems. There's always one person interested in what you're doing. Yeah, you just gotta find them. The enthusiast. Mine's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is. You're so supportive. Oh, your biggest fan. Yeah. Um, you've been sober for over four years. Yes. How has making music, designing, being creative changed since you quit drinking? Oh, man. Um, I was really scared in the beginning uh, because they went hand in hand, um, creating music and at the time, uh, I really I loved just drinking. <laughs> it was great, um, and you know, so I, I think there's that fear that you can't tap into this other self that you're looking for. Um, maybe this like higher self or a portion of you that it takes work and isn't readily available to just switch on. Um, and so I was afraid and it actually took a lot of just plugging away and putting in the time to kind of like relearn it. Yeah. And rewrite the narrative in my mind of what, uh, music time, creative time was about. Cause I think, you know, they were one and the same. It was about, you know, having some drinks to relax and then start making music. Oh, sure. The routine. Yeah. And I think uh, as much as I think there is a little edge that that can take off and help you lose your um, inhibitions and try something out and be maybe a little more adventurous, um, I think with practice you can get back there again. So... You were talking a little bit about what creativity does for you, um, like mentally and like getting in the space between your thoughts. Sure. Um, does it help you escape the stresses of owning a business or having two kids that are definitely more independent than they were a couple of years ago? Geez, I mean, I don't want to like harp on sobriety, but I think it ties back into it. Um, you know, I think... For me, drinking was a way to kind of escape life. And, man, life can be so raw sometimes. And you just want to get away. Um, And at this point, other than eating like a double cheeseburger, I think um, making music is probably that other place where like I said my mind just kind of um clears out yeah and I don't know if it's Your chair's making so yeah, much I know, noise I know it's like I'm doing it on purpose yeah. to frustrate yeah. you um you know I don't know if it's the fact that it requires so much of your brain power like your CPU you know you're mm-hmm. just like have to really focus on it um or if it's you know, like I said, unlocking a portion of your brain that really 
doesn't think about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, like yeah. emails. What are the parallels between your creative outlets? So cooking, being handy, working on synthesizers, um, playing mm. music. You probably don't think of working on sim- synthesizers as being creative. I was, I was actually interested by being handy. Yeah, you're handy. Oh. You don't think uh-huh. of that as one of your creative endeavors? No, I'm just, uh, I'll take that one. Yeah. That's a good one. You're super handy. Uh, thank you. You can hang a shelf. Yes. Change an outlet. We own a construction company. You would hope I can. <laughs> Landscape design build. Yeah. You created, you built and des- designed and built the office that yes. we are in. and it is relatively safe. It does not leak in here. It doesn't. It's um, a lot of steel work. To our knowledge. <laughs> there are no weird spots. So, um... You know, I think one of the things that is interesting, I'm, I'm constantly shocked that one thing will inform the other. Um, so I'll come to some sort of new um, design strategy at work, and then all of a sudden I'm cooking different, or mm. I'm approaching music in a different way. Uh, I think a lot of those things, maybe one of the you know, ideas that seems to translate best is just about composition and less is more. Um, and I think over time, you know, my designs maybe have simplified. Uh, and I, I think my music has definitely thinned out, uh, in terms of elements. And I find that, uh, as far as cooking goes, you know, you're I, finding the um, the brightness of vegetables lately. Oh my gosh, uh, yeah. So you've been talking about salads nonstop. I have. I am. Uh, my salad game is strong. <laughs> right now. And so you know, I think those things. It, it's interesting how creative endeavors can just bleed over one into the other and it's really an endless cycle where you can find inspiration in one arena and it might just like spark that fire again that you know you're missing because there's sometimes when I come out here to work and it feels like work on music Hmm. and I'm just out here because I'm like just go try to do something and it feels like a dud and you know you hope the next time feels a little more magical Mm -hmm. but i i think um i'm always happy i did it and i think it's always worth just putting the time in for me what do you do to get inspired like watching shows like abstract on netflix going to museums you do more research than i do yeah or that um, i give myself credit for you know i love to purchase things to get inspired that's like (laughs) a pretty um Pretty inspiring thing for me. But if, let's say, that's not allowed, I would say uh, I love to read manuals. Oh, this is true. uh, In my spare time. So when we got married, for our listeners, our friend Sean Henry, um, who we're going to interview, he um, married us. He was the officiant. And he held a How to Build Synthesizers book. And that's what the the totem, the thing that represented our love. Yes, which, I mean, it's kind of one-sided, I think. Um, you know, it's really <laughs> kind of my thing. But you were, once again, supportive. It and sweet. You allowed the uh, the manual to be used. Yeah. But, I, you know, I think um, 
listening to music is definitely something that I'll just get obsessed with an album and kind of listen to it over and over. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, you know, I don't have a radio in my car and I can't really answer the phone. And so when I'm driving around, it's really a chance where I think a lot and I actually get inspired by just having a moment for my mind to go where it needs to go. Because you can get overstimulated. You have yes. a hard time doing more yeah. than one I'm, thing I, at once. I can become an infant rather quickly <laughs> if I get too much Like if you're on the phone and we're sitting in the car and it's off. Yes. It is hard for you to know that I'm like indicating to turn on the car so that the air can go on. I, so, I'm a very um, poor multitasker. Right. I would think that is probably a fair statement. But I feel like that could be really good for certain creative endeavors because that's all you're thinking about. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I really give it my all when I'm starting <laughs> to think about things. That's a good spin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's that's the way I see it at sure. least. So. Over the course of our relationship, I feel like we've encouraged each other's artistic endeavors, which we've talked about, um, even when, especially when, it felt new or scary, like for performances. And I had a realization while I was at the dentist earlier today, um, I've mentioned abstract already, because I was like getting nitrous while <laughs> watching it um and so and another was, inspiration yes I think, that it happens all the time you can go to um and i was trying to remember some of the things i wanted to ask you tonight but there was um you know i it felt like we've encouraged each other and there was this metaphor that came to me where you know it's like we get closer and closer to the precipice of a cliff and you know to even though we're afraid of heights, we've encouraged each other to get there to that edge. And it's like, you know, you're right behind me or I'm right behind you, like ready to catch um, one another if we lose our footing. Um, But there's so much to be gained by being brave. And so I feel like that is something we've done for each other is like, don't, don't be scared of this thing you want to try. You want to try it? Let's do it. What are the things you need? That's what you've done for this podcast. Or if I'm writing or, what have you, you know, we've always kind of set aside time for one another. Like, I'm just wondering, like, how that has influenced your process, like, knowing that that encouragement is there to try those new things or to try something. Like, the Sobriety and Synthesizers live set, you, like, signed up to do it. Sure. Well, I think um, one thing that... Maybe we would only see from the outside in our particular household is that, uh, and I would hope if there's anything listeners can get from this is that, uh, you know, you probably shouldn't hold these things too precious and, you know, and so in terms of going out and playing a live show or starting a podcast or any of these things, um, I think if you are not afraid to fail or, you know, just don't take it that seriously, there's a difference between caring about your craft and taking it too seriously. Um, And I think, you know, just being inspired by people who, 
I feel like in the course of my life, I've seen people who just did not give an F <laughs> and somehow like became fantastic at their, mm-hmm. <laughs> their craft or skill or whatever. Um, you know, and I just look at them and I'm like, God, I'm really taking this way too seriously. Hmm. And I, I think that that has been helpful along the way for us. Yeah. It is, uh, you know, it's okay if you fail. But I also think we live in an age at this point where you and I, who are rather antisocial, <laughs> I would say, um, can do these things that were once only necessary by going out and being around people. Um, you know, now because of technology and the internet. Yes, part of um, that. I think that creative endeavors are more accessible than ever. Um, you know, like for me to be able to put a song out and one of the eight people that likes it is in uh, Australia or something, Yeah, that, that just kind of trips me out. I'm like, I'll never meet you. Um, what are the odds that 10 years ago I would have been able to get my music to reach you. But to get back to your original question, you know, I I think having someone that you know will always laugh at your bad jokes or be supportive of whatever idea you have, I think that makes you more daring, Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think you can find that source... um, if you're lucky from a spouse, but I think that there's other arrangements that I've seen friends encouraging parents, Yep. you know, that I think, um, you can trace someone's an artist's confidence back to an individual or their lack of confidence is, you know, just from that one person telling them they're not very good. Yeah, Genevieve called that creative wounding. Ooh. Artistic wounding. That is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your chair is killing me. It's just part of my shtick. Oh, gosh. We live in a small house, not a tiny house, but definitely small for two adults, two children, a dog and a cat. It's 624 square feet, but we live on a, a double lot. It's long. Um, We always knew... Um, at some point that we would design and build a house out back. So you went to school for architecture. Um, A, do you miss out on designing um, houses? And B, does it feel like designing our house in the very back of the property is satisfying that? Hmm. I think uh, question A. Yes. My response would be that I, in the beginning, uh, when we started the company, I think we had less ambitious projects. And yeah, I probably had uh, some questions on whether or not I was in the right field and chose the right business. Uh, I would say now I'm pretty fulfilled. Because we do a lot of structures in our landscape designs. Yeah, and I think... Um, it's similar space-making as well, sure. outdoor living. Yeah, and I think it's challenging, and there's um, 
you know, the way things fit together mm-hmm. is something we get to tackle still. And I think that's a big part of, um, you know, what draws me to architecture. Um, oh man, the back house. Uh, I think, yeah, it, it's a chance for me to take all the ideas I've had to this point and throw them into one mess and then say, <laughs> oh my gosh, finished. this is just too chaotic. Let's simplify and simplify and simplify. and For eternity. Possibly. <laughs> um, and I, I think when it gets there, I'll either want to build another house and abandon that one or uh most likely i think i'll be pretty content we haven't abandoned the office we actually feel pretty good about it yeah yeah i like it in here yeah me too so designing versus executing um what do you learn from the process of it getting built Mm, i was actually thinking about that today i was thinking about um when you cut a piece of wood, it feels different than when you cut a piece of steel. And that feels different than when you cut a piece of concrete. And I think um, this is what I think about my car driving around, I guess. Uh, and I think what that means is if you cut a piece of steel once, you realize like there's certain ways it would just be incredibly dangerous to try to cut it again like you couldn't cut a little sliver off of it or something and I think um, what I'm getting at is just the act of doing something immediately informs what you would ask someone else to do with that material Um, I think the moment you have to move 20 wheelbarrows up a hill of rock I think you're probably a little more considerate of asking others to do the same thing. Um, So I think there's a consideration for, you know, design versus the people that will be executing it. I think is you know, just a very like on a just be a decent person kind of a level. But I also think, um, you know, there's something about in my music. It's about assembling. And I I think... um, It's about taking these pieces and kind of putting them together. And I mean, that's what so much of architecture is. And I think when you go through the act of trying to assemble something, um, I think you learn a lot about whether or not you would ever decide to try to assemble it that way again. Um, And whether or not the visual outcome is worth the effort. And so if something's incredibly challenging, it might end up looking great, but you're like, man, was it really even worth it? Uh, And I think that sweet spot is... Especially not if we're losing money on it. Well, I mean, that's that's like the the sad reality (laughs) of, you know, running a business that is derived from creativity. I think there's a very uh, real consequence to some decisions, uh, not just aesthetic. But, you know, I think all those things inform how you um, choose to design in the future. We design together. So we 
record this <laughs> podcast in Open Envelope Studio. That's our business. Um, it took some work on our end to communicate what we needed from the other. Um, so in some, oh gosh, was it the, the Pocket Park landscape architecture class, the first time that we did a studio together, um, I remember feeling so hesitant to um, say what I wanted to, like, contribute to the group. It was, you know, it was only in landscape architecture one or two years by then. Well, it's only a three-year program. Um, Well, three and a half. And I remember how confident you were because architecture was a longer program and arguably you were in it longer for other reasons. (laughs) So you had had more experience contributing and like throwing out ideas in a group setting. And I remember taking you aside back then and saying, please give me space to think about these ideas because otherwise it's not going to, um, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. And that communication kind of got better and better. I became more confident. You kind of figured out how I worked. Um, and now we literally, sit facing the same computer sometimes our computers you know we're back to back in here but um yeah we I'm I'm like telling you certain things that I like you're telling me certain things that work or don't work um we're like sharing a straw with the soda we're stations creation um how do you feel working in a collaboration Bill and Ted reference yes it was (laughs) Bill and Ted too actually yeah the lesser known Bill and Ted it's I reference it weekly. So how do you feel (laughs) working, um, collaborating? So I think I'm kind of an awful collaborator. And I think maybe I've gotten better at hiding it. Um, Mm. But I just think my ideas are the best (laughs) in my mind. Um, And so I know that uh, a lot... Of great things come from collaborating and then I think in the company in particular I've learned that life is so much better if you can let other people do stuff too you're uh, very encouraging yeah is that I something think, you uh, work on yeah it, it, it didn't come naturally to me so right. I think you know the time you speak of in college oh yeah that's probably the real me that's still in there so what is the difference for you being creative for a job and monetizing it versus a hobby? I think that there's something really special about there being no consequences to your decision. And when I think architecture in general is a really interesting art form because I think a painter decides something and the extension of executing that is their hand. Um, but I think for an architect or someone in our field, you decide something and the extension of executing it is a handful of people. And the amount of interaction in just days, just time between thought and realization is so different than making music or painting. Um, you know, it's a much more, I think in terms of music for me, it's a much more 
immediately gratifying uh, act because I have the thought and I can create the thought rather quickly. But, you know, with architecture, representing it visually is only kind of half the goal. Seeing it realized in reality, I think, is, is the real thing you're striving for. And that takes so much um, just real world, I would say, non-creative. Non-sexy. Just permits. And red tape, you know, and people's feelings and, mm -hmm. you know, trying to. Dream killers. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, I, I think it's just a lot more complicated process that involves so many people. Mm-hmm. That by the time you're done, I think you're really lucky if um, the final outcome is close to what you had hoped or imagined. Because there's so many chances for someone else's hand to come in and intervene. What do you get out of cooking? Mm, well, I think the most obvious part is eating. <laughs> um, I, I love to eat and... Most of the time, what I try to cook is something I just wished I could eat a lot of, and restaurants just only give you one plate of it. I think that's kind of <laughs> where it started. Um, but, you know, I think that there's something about the routine that is relaxing for me and a bit of meditation. Again, I think I kind of get lost in it. Hmm. Um you know, all your senses kind of get devoted to it. And, and then the outcome's like pretty good, right? You, you get to eat it. Yeah. So it's something we don't share. No, you're an awful cook. I'm just terrible at it. And, um, you know, I kind of blame myself because I think we've been enabling your <laughs> lack of skill. Yeah. Um, but I, at this point, is there really any There's, turning back? Why? Why uh, learn? No. I mean, I can get by. I can make myself meals that I would make a child. Sure. Grilled things, flat things. All grilled and flat things that you could imagine and yeah. dream of. One you could execute. thing I could stir at a time. I get... You're great at stirring. Distracted. I'm very impatient. Yes. I think um, you've missed the whole point of cooking <laughs> is really what I notice when I'm watching you. I start cleaning. Yeah, I do yeah, some that's dishes. That's not the point for sure. It's making the mess is the big point. Oh, God. The mess just kills me. But I think, um, you know, and then there's something about I love seeing people happy. And definitely want me at the table when you're ready to serve the plate. I just want to see the look on your face when you eat something delicious. Yeah. And I think I, uh, I feel that way when I see <sighs> anyone uh, eat something that I'm, I make and I'm fairly certain is pretty really good. awesome. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. And so I like seeing people happy. I like seeing the joy it brings from them. It's like making someone laugh. Yeah. But just in a different way. And you cook with your brother and your mom and yeah. friends. It's definitely a group activity. Yeah, and it can uh you can just totally waste a day. Yeah. Cooking. Just waiting to just get talking to that point. about things you're gonna make. Just to salt or not to salt. I was gonna bring up the salting yeah. conversation. Yeah. That's uh 
That's how you not collaborate with your brother. It's a sensitive topic, apparently. It's how much to salt. Yeah. Um, what led you to the iteration of our musical intro? Mm, wow. Uh, well, I like that question. Hmm. Uh, you know, I think uh, I got a new device. So, again, buying something Purchasing. is just the key. Yes. Um, so, if you're listening, go buy new stuff <laughs> anytime. All the money that you've saved. When the creative well is dry, just go buy something. Oh, my gosh. That's terrible advice. Uh, and so, I was trying something out that I had. And um, I have this little sampler that allows me to lie in bed at night. What is it and called? And it's called a Teenage Engineering OP1. You love that thing. It, it's you use it every night. It's magical. Um, and it allows you to sample from the radio. And so I just kind of like cruise around on the radio and see what by chance is going on. And I'll just take a little snippet here and there. And I think, uh, I think it was a classical piece or something. And I grabbed a couple little tasty tidbits mm. from it. And I think that was enough to kind of get the idea going. And then someone told me once, like, writing melodies is the most boring thing ever because you just sit there and try a million different notes until something sounds right. Um, and, and it was one of those nights where I just kind of <laughs> sat there and, like, Noodled. fumbled away at the notes mm-hmm. till I found a little jingle that sounded so familiar I often wonder... If someone else wrote it. That is pretty common, too. Oh, where I'm like, God, is this, like, too familiar? Mm-hmm. So, um... Well, I, I love it. It gets caught in my head. Yeah. Maybe well, because I listen to it when we're editing so much. Yeah. That in the middle of the night, it'll appear in my dreams. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. A little earworm. Okay. That sounds horrible. It is. But I get what you're saying. There's, that's the term for it. Oh, okay. Wow. That's what people call it. Interesting. An earworm. Well. You've never heard of this. Hey, I can write them, but I don't know what they're <laughs> called, all right? That's what it's called. If you were to give yourself a title for your crafting identity, what would your title be? Um, I. It seems like most everyone chooses two words, but... I, I think mine would just probably be like a collager. Oh. I I think in so many ways uh, that's probably the thread that ties everything I do together. It, pardon the interruption, but I've got a track queued up right here that's got a little Harold and Maude collage in it. I, I can play it. Okay. If you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll. All right, here we go. I should like to change into a sunflower, most of all. That's a tall and simple. What flower would you like to be? I don't know. One of these, maybe? Why do you say that? Because they're all alike.
nice little groove break. Just wanted to have a little taste. We'll play a full track here in a second. I like that. Caught me off guard with it. Well, I kept it to myself. <laughs> well, thank you, Matt. Sure. For doing this. Yes, it was my pleasure, and it was an honor to be around you lovely ladies. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Just a couple of my favorite people. Um, thank you to our listeners, and we hope you'll stay tuned for more episodes of Chatty Crafties. Matt's available on Facebook, Instagram, and SoundCloud as Berman Swale. If he's not parenting or chopping ingredients, he's likely tinkering with music and not far from his phone, ready to be interrupted. So if you're in need of a gently refurbished synthesizer, do contact him for a back alley sales opportunity. Spend some time with us at chattycrafties.com. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud, subscribe on iTunes, or just follow your own best advice. Right now, you're listening to Thankful People. Earlier, we featured Is There Hope, both by Burham and Swale. This episode was produced by me, Amber Moreno, and hosted by my crafty comrade, Angelica Norton, right here at Open Envelope Studio, which has an open door policy. What do you need, babe? Did she cut those cards? Yep. Uh, We'll talk to her about um, all decisions she's making will have consequences and she will find them out when we're done. Thank you. It seemed very imperative. Okay, thank you. All right. Oh, I like this one. That deck was really good. Take, can you put the scissors away? I bet mom can sew them back to you. Yeah, I did. Okay. I put it in some. Thank you. You're in charge. Um, Jeez. Thanks for listening. Now go make some art. <laughs> <laughs>